Hello, and welcome to Alex Toth in Depth. This is Paul Fricke, cartoonist, comics professor, and Toth zealot. This is the program where we discuss Toth's work and influence on comics, character design, and visual storytelling. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube or to the podcast. Uh, check show notes for links. For daily Toth art posts on Instagram, follow at Alex Toth in Depth. And please tell a friend. For this episode, we're doing an anatomy of a page, which is page two of Double Edge, which was written by Stephen Skeets, published in DC Comics Witching Hour 12 uh, in 1970. Before we get to that in depth, just one quick point of personal privilege. I hope that you can check out uh, my new comic with Tim Avers called Blood Orange. You can find this at NewDayNoir.com. It's a comic that is uh, long form, and it's about fashion, crime, and celebrity. So please do check it out or follow on Instagram there at Blood Orange Comic, and uh, we release a new chapter every couple weeks. So there's a good chunk of pages and chapters to uh, read there now, um, and we'd love to hear from you, and please spread the word. So for uh, this Double Edge page, I, I recently threw... Uh, on the uh, Alex Toth in Depth Instagram, issued a storytelling challenge and made available the script for this page, sight unseen, uh, for people to do layouts or pencils on, and uh, heard from you know dozens of people, uh, and and provided feedback on on the work people did. This is uh, stemming from a storytelling assignment I give to my intro to comic students at MCAD, Minneapolis College of Art and Design. And I found it's a good page for uh, people to hit the main storytelling uh, points um, and then to compare what they do with uh, Toth's page and, and a lot of people who participated. And certainly uh, my students over the years have uh, found that uh, to be uh, a good challenge and uh, insightful. But I wanted to go a little deeper uh, and uh, dive into this page uh, because it's one of my favorites in all that Toth ever did and also um, contains my favorite Toth panel ever, probably. So let's dig in. First page layout. This is a traditional six panel grid. So reading panel to panel, there's no way we're going to get lost. It's very simple and, and easy to follow. And the storytelling is fairly traditional. Long shots, medium shots, uh, close-ups, etc. But there are, are some unorthodox compositions, and I believe that Toth used these either by instinct or for particular purposes, which we'll uh, go over in detail. Panel by panel, first there is an interior establishment shot where we see a kid uh, reading on his bed. Panel two, threat, a from below panel of a stepmother entering the room. Panel three is an extreme close-up of the stepmother grabbing the kid's ear and telling him to get out of his room. Uh, panel four, the character is proxy for the reader. And I'll go into some more details about that. Five is a close-up on the object and, and then the reaction to what's being said and of the object and the actions. And then lastly, in panel six is a long shot, which focuses on the exterior of the home and then the actions of the characters. And that pretty much covers it. For page flow, um, you can see that it's fairly traditional in this regard too. And again, whether by instinct or 
uh, purposefully, Toth uh, makes the reader's eye go with these sevens and Z patterns. You go across reading the text, down and over to take in the information, and then usually Toth is trying to lead the eye through to the next panel or to the next tier. Um, and again, I don't know how cognizant or aware of this he was or if he thought about it in great detail, but certainly by instinct he's doing it. And uh, you can see in panel four, it's really strong in that regard. Uh, our eye is drawn across the text and then a strong diagonal leads us uh, to the next tier. So usually he's guiding us through to the next panel, to the next page. Black spotting, this is something for which Toth is very well known. Uh, and he's using it in a variety of ways um, on this page uh, for lighting and to create shadows. Uh, you can see little bits of that. I'm, you know, we don't see the light coming from the uh, from the lamp in the lampshade, so we would gather that the light is coming from either overhead or more likely from uh, the window. Um, you can see that the light's coming from below because when we go to panel two, there's a shadow from the door above it. Um, and, and that gives it a little a bit of uh, drama. He's also, you know, uh, dealing with silhouettes and we can see silhouettes or partial silhouettes, especially in panels four and six. Um, and a silhouette is a very strong uh, graphic statement, the strongest. Um, and he employs it at least in in one case here and in part in another. But something I'd really like to point out is uh, black into black bleed. Uh, let's say we're looking at a picture, uh, a photograph, sometimes with poor lighting. A lot of times we will see a black figure or a shadow or uh, black clothing kind of bleed into a darker background. And our eye takes it in that way, in real life and in those photos. Usually when we're sitting down to uh, depict or draw those things, we are separating those things out. So even if, our, if it appears to our eye that those things kind of bleed into each other, we work really hard to separate them out to make sure that the figures and the objects and the depth between objects and figures is clear um, and that you can read things properly. And Toth, uh, a lot of times, will bleed one thing into another and kind of create, uh, even while he's doing things graphically, he's trying to create a, a similar look or verisimilitude of what we would actually see, what our eye would see. And then he finds different ways to separate those out. Um, in panel two, we see a shoulder uh, of the stepmother uh, bleed into the background. So the black just kind of goes, but there's enough there in the pattern from the shoulder to distinguish uh, and separate the shoulder from the background. Um, in panel four, you'll see uh, the silhouette or the shadowed figure bleed into the uh, foreground uh, hallway or door jam. And, uh, and there's plenty um, in the last panel too where things just kind of bleed into each other. Shadow kind of overtakes it and then you do see little hints of, of light and white that uh, separate things out a little bit. Um, in uh, panel three, though, uh, you'll see that there, there is shadow on the kid's hair, and then the background is black as well, and he doesn't really give us 
the uh, a little line or rim lighting or anything to separate that out. He lets it bleed over. When you do that, it looks more like real life or how our eye would take it in, that information. And uh, and he's removing that so he finds different ways to make sure. Now, it's really tough. It, things can go very bad quickly and be unreadable if you push that too far or don't find the right uh, graphic approaches to make sure those separate out. Um, but I would encourage you to study Toast's work in that regard and then apply that where and when you can. Uh, it also simplifies things so things can read better. I just think that when we're drawing um, and trying to recreate figures and, and make sure it's clear to the reader that we do all kinds of things to separate those things out that don't really appear that way to the eye or um, in real life. Uh, let's go uh, now panel by panel. In panel one, we have a few things that are focused on. Uh, the character, the environment, and depth. So for the character, we see uh, the figure who's reading and he's on a bed. He's comfortable, he's got his legs crossed. Uh, that tells us a lot about the character. The environment he's uh, in is lived in. There's plenty of uh, things on the wall, there's bric-a-brac, there's holes in the wall. There's a suitcase on a, on a, on a tall shelf. Um, the lampshade, take, look at that. It's askew. It's knocked a little bit on an angle, which again creates some dynamism and makes things interesting to look at in the picture. That indicates that it's been moved or bumped or whatever else, and, and things just look lived in. This, it, it tells us a lot about this kid, what he's surrounded on. And then look at the bed, too. The kid is on the bed, and then not only do we not see only verticals and horizontals and diagonals, but we see this um, curve of the bed so we can really feel the, the weight of the kid on the bed. Uh, and it also tells us whether that bed is, you know, <laughs> really uh, sound in terms of structure or has been used a lot over the years or whatever else. And then lastly, in terms of depth, we see foreground, middle ground, background. There's books. Uh, in the foreground that kind of frame and, and, and make that uh, picture uh, with some deep space. The kid is in the, in the middle ground, and then all the other stuff is in the background. So a lot of things with overlapping of objects, objects and shapes and figures uh, to uh, create that sense of depth as we look through the room. And, and again, in the background, uh, we see the door with a, a jacket hung on it, and you'll see as we go panel to panel, that's important. In panel two, then, we see the stepmother come through that door. So it's been established in the first panel. Uh, and, and so we know the reader knows that, you know, which door and how that, uh, the stepmother is positioned in relation to the kid as they enter the room. The point of view is from below. And again, that's a dramatic, um, effect, but it also is the point of view of the kid on the bed. So, you know, we see the kid on the bed in panel one, and then we are the kid in, in panel two as we look up. We see what that character sees. Now, you see the, uh, the composition of that panel is a very strong diagonal, I should say, uh, angle or triangle. Um, and then the sweep or the curve of, of the uh, stepmom around the chest area also gives us uh, some perspective. Um, and seeing, you know, the the door jam, the wall, and the door behind it in proper perspective uh, creates all of that. Um, it's very sound. We know, we believe uh, that this character is in that space. And then lastly, 
the character you'll notice on the cheek has a birthmark. Uh, that's integral to um, uh, the whole story. And Toth makes uh, very sure that we see that birthmark um, on uh, the character's face. Uh, and that's key to storytelling. He could choose all kinds of things here, um, but he makes sure that we see a close-up or a, a medium close-up of that stepmother with the birthmark because it's key to storytelling later in the story. Uh, go off and read that, find it online or wherever, um, or dig out the comic. And you'll see that it's very important, and, and that's key to uh, Toth's approach in this regard. Panel three. Again, lots of dynamic angles and that triangle shape. It's a power uh, composition. Um, and Toth in this panel focuses on the main action. It is not a reaction. Very often in a panel like this, however it's delineated in the script, we would see, and I think most people would want to show the reaction of the kid, meaning we'd want to see more of the stepmom being mean. We'd want to see more of the kids screaming so we would feel uh, their pain or uh, their reaction uh, to it. And instead, Toth gives us the point of view of from behind. And why does he do that? He's focusing instead on an intense close-up on the main action and on the fingers on the ear pinching when that's done and he's done in such a way he's this is a very intense shot and it's cropped very close he's packed tons of information in this panel where we see you know the the, uh, the tilt of the kid's head the arm coming up from the lower left into the panel pointing to the ear we see uh, the collar of the kid the hat we see the hands cropped right it, it, they're kind of obscured uh, but we see the hands of the kid and then even the the other arm of the stepmother uh, pointing uh, the kid out the door and, and again we see the door jam in the door uh, and where the kid where the kid's supposed to go where she's sending him um, that's a lot of information to get across and he still makes it work and it's not a confused busy panel but the main thing here is that he is focusing everything pretty much everything in this panel is pointing us to that ear. And you can see it especially on the stepmother's arm. It's pointing us right to the center of interest, which in this case just happens to be smack dab in the center of the panel. But by doing all those things and cropping as tightly as he is, we're not looking at and observing the kid's pain. We are feeling it. I, when I look at this panel, I can feel the pinch of that ear on there. To me, that's a more powerful thing. It is not a removed, cold, buffered experience because we can't see the kid crying or wailing or whatever else and see his face. Instead, I am in that kid's position and I feel it more than I would if I were just observing it or watching it. Uh, at least that's my take on it. Panel four. Again, lots of dynamic angles. He's got uh, verticals, strong verticals throughout here with the door jam and the door. Um, but then the angles uh, and diagonals within both of the figures. Um, this is an interior shot, and by that we mean we are seeing through uh, an opening, either a window or a door, to something else in in uh, in the room uh, and beyond. And it's kind of creates a voyeuristic effect. In general, we are again this kid, even though we're seeing the kid, and he's mostly in shadow, and we are observing 
in a fashion what he would see looking through the door in the stepmother. She is obscured. She's turned from us. Um, and he's reacting to it like, what? what's going on? What is she talking about now? Um, very, I don't know, this is probably my least favorite panel in the whole thing in regards to storytelling, but I still think it's effective, and it's a really great panel. A lot of it is uh, because of the composition. And then he's overlapping for depth. There is the figure in the foreground which bleeds into it. We see the kid in the foreground with the door jam. That's the foreground. <laughs> Uh, we see the door itself is the middle ground, and then the stepmother is the background. So there's a lot of depth. Uh, but when we look at this, there is a flattening effect that's going on even while he's doing that. So while he's separating out different planes, and we see foreground, middle ground, and background, he's also flattening things graphically, and it works both ways. We see it as a as, you know uh, black and white uh, of... The, the strong shapes, the strong uh, black spotting, but then we also see the depth in it. It's really tough to pull this off, and he does both on this panel. In panel five, it's an extreme close-up on the object. There's a talisman that's pivotal to the story, and we see that in intense cropping um, uh, of the foreground, so we know that's a, a really important thing in the story. Now, if we saw the whole... Uh, kid's face in this, the kid would kind of become the focal point. Um, and instead, even though he's important and it is a part where we, you know, of the page where we do see the kid's face and a reaction, he's cropped. And because he's cropped, we, we are focusing more on the talisman in the foreground uh, than anything else. Um, again, because of that foreground background thing, we there's incredible depth because of that intense uh, close-up of the hand and talisman. Um, but uh, we see the background as well, and then the reaction of the kid. Uh, Talisman is key to this whole panel, though, and uh, pivotal to the entire story. In panel six, he decides to uh, establish the exterior of the home and the actions, the kid carrying the pails, and then the stepmother throwing this kid's stuff out. Uh, because of the silhouetting and the foreground uh, in the bottom of the panel, a big shadow on, the, on, on there. We're seeing a lot of depth in this too, foreground, middle ground, background. Um, and the black spotting is all done for focus. You know, we see the brick wreck that's being thrown out and that's, a, that's you know, high contrast. And we see the kid as he's walking um, and we feel the mass of that, of the, of the light on the house, um, on the uh, objects around the house. Um, and then it creates a tone. It's a darker tone for a darker story. Um, and, uh, for, you know, all the Boris Karloff pictures, uh, and posters on the wall, um, and the kid having fun in the first panel, this does give us a sense anyway, that, uh, that it's going to be a dark story as we go forward. So as an overview, I just wanted to go over a couple things. Um, what does Toth focus on, on this page? Uh, he focuses on character details, uh, objects and actions blocking and staging, an immersive experience, and creating reader's empathy. There's a bunch of different ways he could have handled these panels and these pages, and I think it's different from how a lot of people would draw this page. Um, the character details, again, give us at least a sense of, of the kid's lived life, and again, of the stepmother, that you know she's mean and imposing, and then she's got that birthmark. 
the blocking and staging, as I mentioned, the door is established in the first panel, and then we see that door in every interior panel, one through five, throughout the rest of it. We know how the characters are moving through this space, and trust me, that is no accident on Toth's part. He has figured out who's where and where they're moving, and he's moving us in and out of that space as we go you know, out of it and then back into it a little bit and, and so on. Um, because of Toth's unorthodox uh, compositions and choice of shots, he creates, I think, an immersive experience that's a little different from what other people would do. And again, I think some people looking at Toth's work think it's cold or there's a buffer to it because he's more focused on design, they think, than on the human experience or storytelling. And I think that is a misreading um, of, of Toth's work. Um, he does a lot almost every single story of the traditional storytelling stuff. He does the long shots, he does the medium shots, he does the close-ups. He shows the environment, he shows the characters moving through that environment. He conveys tons of emotion with expression and with body language. Um, but, you know, I think in, in a lot of cases you would see um, a, a character's face and no what we're watching and how to read it. Now, if comics are an interactive and immersive experience, uh, then I think Toth is employing that in ways different from what how a lot of Western uh, comics artists do. Uh, he is inviting us into the world, actions and characters from the points of view of those characters, and then he's choosing, again in panel three, uh, a kind of shot that just nobody else would do. And we have a different kind of emotional experience, and we have more empathy. We are in that kid's shoes more than we would be, um, I think, in almost any other storyteller's hands. So that shot, you know, what does that mean? How, how is he doing that? You're just feeling it more than anything else. Uh, we're not seeing the face. We're not seeing the reactions. Um, we are right in the thick of the action, and instead of seeing it, we're feeling it, we're experiencing it, we're living it. And to me, that is, you know, a, a, a big strength of comics and comic storytelling. There is a, uh, you can do traditional storytelling where you show, um, you can do things where you do tell, and you can do words and pictures together. You can have people reading and filling in the gaps between panels. But the choice of shots and how we go about things and how we tell these things can, can get to a reader in a way that you might not figure otherwise. I am feeling, I'm in this kid's shoes, I am feeling this more than I would in anybody else's hands. And if you're looking for things about storytelling beyond the black spotting of Toth's work, beyond his incredible uh, draftsmanship and drawing ability, uh, the attention to detail in regards to environments or clothing or whatever else, the body language, this kind of shot with the finger on the ear is the kind of thing that Toth does that nobody else does. There are times in his career, earlier on in some of his 50s, early 50s work, where he is getting carried away and figuring it out. He's not exactly sure when to crop, and he gets a little bit carried away, and that obscures things. There's later in his career where, in certain stories, like Rolling Stone, he can uh, overdo it and, 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 
and uh, use that you know uh, unique stamp of his uh, look and approach. And it becomes a little too claustrophobic, and he doesn't pull back as often as he could. But most of the time throughout his work, he is doing a, a great balance of doing these traditional storytelling techniques that are grounded and sound, and then mixing it with his sensibility, which is completely unique and unorthodox. Study that more in Toast's work and try to apply it in your own stuff. If you don't agree with how he approached it, that's fine. But at least take a look and see if there's anything to it um, and and how you can mix up your own storytelling uh, as you go forward. Again, one of my favorite panels and one of my favorite Toth stories. Hope you enjoyed. That's all the time we're giving to this episode, which was edited by Max Pollan. This again is Paul Fricke for the Alex Toth In-Depth program. Toth said... Asking oneself the right questions to seek the right answers. To do it is then transposed into visuals which best clarify information and story that you must reveal to the reader. Until next time, go with Toth.